So back in uh, 2011 and before, there erupted lots of demonstrations all over the world. Well, in the U.S., there was Occupy Wall Street, right? Maybe it was caused by the 2008-2009, um, you know, the the Great Recession or whatever they called it, that and the banks had to be bailed out and other industries and, uh, you know, uh, Obama was in office and his administration managed to get to save the day, kind of pulled it out gradually, steady growth over the years. Let's see. Anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say is that I've, I found an interesting uh, program on Link TV, and it referred to a song by Rafa Sanchez called Madre Mundo, and I looked it up, and I thought I would play it in this session at the beginning. So it refers to a movement called 15M, in Spanish, 15M, or 15 de Mayo, the 15th of May. That's when the first uh, demonstration erupted in 2011, and it went on to 2012 in different uh, cities in Spain and uh, they were large demonstrations and so uh, Rafa Sanchez uh, composed this song the music and the lyrics and I thought it was uh, well done uh, Carolina Munoz accompanies and I it it um, it reminds me of of how this year went. There were a lot of demonstrations going on this year. I wonder how it'll be next year, but uh, we'll see. It's kind of good that, that people are waking up. So this uh, this um, this podcast has the name "Wake Up and Think Clearly." Uh, so I'm not sure which one we have to do first. Well, we have to wake up first physically, wake up in the morning, and then hopefully we will start to think clearly for the rest of the day, or make it our our intention and proposal that I am going to think clearly for the rest of the day, and may out of this clear thinking may wisdom bubble up. Without further ado, uh, let's welcome our special guests. Well, everyone is a special guest. Uh, Luis Del Pino will be showing up. Uh, David Norton. Uh, Joel in Toronto. Seth in Winter Springs. And Rami in South Orlando will be showing up. Rami's been away for a while, so welcome back, Rami. Thank you. Bye. Welcome 
friends, enemies, kind mothers, this is the last podcast of the year, the last episode, the last session <laughs> on YouTube, uh, I guess they're called sessions, maybe they could be called podcasts, um, so this has been an amazing year, 2020, I guess we could describe it as the most unexpected year of all time. <laughs> of course, Bill Gates, back in 2000, I don't know, 14 or so, was warning us about uh, epidemics, world epidemics, and that we needed to prepare for them. And then, so today, there's people that are suspicious of Bill Gates because he was so right, and because he's promoting these things like vaccines and stuff. Well, those are the conspiracy theorists that are kind of anti-vaxxers or suspicious of these things. <laughs> Some people even say that, that they're going to attempt to exterminate a good portion of the population in that way. And maybe the vaccine will have uh, RF chips and stuff like that. Anyway, enough said about that. Uh, so, I start off this um, se session pretty much by myself on my phone. And I introduce a song called Madre Mundo, uh, which translates to uh, Mother World. It's kind of a song that is in <clears throat> honor of dissidents in Spain or indignance in Spain and it's a, a movement called 15M so I looked it up and found it interesting so here it comes up how's that En la barriga de este mundo hay los munditos esperando romper aguas y de a poquito cuando salgan a su madre van a salvar. En la redonde de la tierra hay arenita y una lunita de plata pero está herida la esperanza por eso llora la ciudad.
En esta oscura primavera, mayo es la vera, su llama miles de gentes, mujeres y hombres disidentes militan en la dignidad. En la barriga de este mundo somos munditos que vamos rompiendo aguas y de a poquito y codo a codo por madre vamos a luchar. Si tú es dedicada a todas las personas que sostienen, apoyan, colaboran y simpatizan con el movimiento del 15M. A todas y a todos los que pu publica o sencillosamente salen a la calle a defender los valores de la dignidad y la justicia. Esta canción surgió cuando le oí decir a Eduardo Carleano decir que hay otro mundo en la, en la barriga de este mundo. Hello, Darwin. I was sharing a song in Spanish from my phone using YouTube about uh, Mother Earth. Madre Mundo. It was a pretty song. About uh, dissidents, about uh, injustice, humanity, humans, in, in indignant as to what's going on. Let's see. I've, I discovered it uh, a few days ago. I thought. What do you think? Well, I could play it for you again. Let's see. 
I'll see. I'll, I'll play it for you. Let's see where is it? Oh, there's some more. There's Luis. I'm going to share that song again. I was sharing. Good um, I'm going to share Madre Mundo by, by the uh, Madrileño Rafa Sanchez and Carolina Muñoz. Yeah, I saw it. I, watched, I uh, actually watched it. I listened to it. How are you doing? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Nice, uh, nice rendition of Feliz Navidad, Prospero Año y Felicidad. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, you can, you can, you can jazz. Oui. Oh, I can't get it to play. Let me go uh, back. Christmas is over. <laughs> no, not that one. Let's make it clear. <laughs> no, this song. Madre Mundo por Rafa Sanchez y Carolina Muñoz. To get us in the mood to become dissidents. <laughs> Revolutionaries. Dissidents. Uh, indignants. Do you know what the movement 15M is about? Um, no. Mm. I don't know either. Oh, there's the lyrics. picture of you. There we go. I'm going to stop sharing. There we go. Now I see you. And I see you. There's Darwin. His game is not set up yet. His sponsor. <laughs> How are you? Doing good. Feliz post-Navidad. Feliz post-Navidad. Post <laughs> post wow. Yes. And, and the next one is, is New Year's evening. More wishes. Oh, 
in the end of this horrible year. <laughs> it's we, not the end of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I don't think we, we ain't seen nothing yet. I'm we ain't afraid. seen nothing yet. Oh boy. We ain't seen nothing yet. Hmm. Could this be a I keep saying that that Great Depression? I, yeah, 2. I am point I'm much I'm much more uh, afraid of the economic and social fallout than any virus. I'll 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 take death before I have to witness a a a breaking away of the social fabric. Mm. And if we if we continue like this, unfortunately, that's where we're going to get. Mm. And if we were all philosophers, uh, lovers of wisdom, if we were all able to live a little and uh, and uh, be deliberate and and uh, control our animalistic impulses and our uh, crazy emotions, that would not be a big deal. But when things go wrong and, and people just don't have a toy to play with or they just don't feel at ease, they just lash out. That's, that's our nature as human beings in general. And that's a, that's a, a worrying uh, thought, at least in my case. I, I think about that. I see, I see, I look around, and uh, I am concerned that uh, this, uh, this wave is going to, well, is already bringing more... Uh, uh, paralyzing uh, political actions that uh, uh, make the economy slow down even more, small businesses suffer. And uh, unfortunately, I don't believe that any government can fix what they're breaking through the confinement. And everybody will say, no, but a lot of people will die if you don't do that. Well, a lot of people have died even with what we've done. So instead of thinking, well, we should have confined even more, maybe we should think, well, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe this uh, mandatory uh, making people do what they're not going to do anyway is not working. Because I, I keep saying that uh, uh, nobody gives you the virus. You put it on yourself, unless, of course, you let somebody spit in your eye or cough in your face, which, you know, you have to be pretty stupid to, to allow that to happen. But um, it's, it's, it's on us individually to, uh, uh, to stop the virus here at this level, of the, the personal level. Uh, the government cannot do, uh, make us do uh, you know, what we're not going to do ourselves. It's just like healthcare. You cannot care mm. for people that don't care for themselves. That's why we have uh, uh, this incredible amount of people that are uh, suffering from metabolic syndrome, which is not a disease. It's a behavioral, uh, it's a, uh, a, a behavioral problem. 
because we don't take care of ourselves. We don't exercise. We eat too much. We eat too many sweets. We, we are disorderly. And then we pretend that the, a, a system of healthcare is going to take care of us. But there, there is no science. No science is going to uh, avoid uh, somebody from hanging themselves from the ceiling. Mm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Why? And Happy New Year. Coronavirus second wave. Why cases are increasing? Is it because of a, a, a mutation? Or is it just because uh, we really didn't uh, overcome the the possibility of spreading by the the measures like social distancing, hand washing. We, we uh, the people, we the people individually are not ready to make the commitment to not touch our eyes, not touch our nose, not touch our mouth, uh, to wash our hands constantly, to consider every surface uh, potentially deadly to stay away from people at a, a, a decent, uh, decent distance while we are conducting our lives and going to work, opening our business, et cetera, et cetera. We, we just pass on the responsibility to others. This hygiene that we should do ourselves, we are expecting everybody else to do it, but not us. It's a, it's a, it's a delusion, just like... The article that you sent me about the self-delusion. Uh, so, so it, it technically it uh, what what makes it a second wave, or, or what does what's the definition of a second wave? A second because... spike in cases. Very simple. You know, but, the wave but... the wave is a spike in in numbers but... of uh, of uh, contagions in reported cases. That's it. All we're doing is looking at numbers uh, fluctuate up and down. It says, when, why, why are experts concerned about future spikes of the coronavirus or a second wave in some areas? When the coronavirus first appeared in the U.S. in early 2020, it started very, very small number of infected people, so it took longer to spread now that the disease is widely distributed with many unknowing coronavirus carriers in many different areas of the country the risk of transmission is wide is higher and higher and higher yep fall and winter in the northern hemisphere means increment weather in many areas with more people spending times indoors several holidays taking place around the end of the calendar year and people who celebrate them want to gather travel and visit friends and family my sister went to Colombia she left mm. us here she, uh, uh, she left my mother and the and, and yourself the care, caretaker and I see the caretaker uh, 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 Araceli uh, she she takes care of helps take care of my mother, but but like uh uh I had uh maybe eight hours 
a few times a week, but now she's she's staying here with us in a room, uh, physically here all the time, hmm. pretty much. <laughs> so, so more more hours. <laughs> so she's getting paid more. 20, That's good for her. Twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, not getting paid twenty four hours, but uh, uh, a lot better than before. <laughs> yeah. Like for one, uh, for the uh, a while, she wasn't even allowed to come to help us. So it was, it was a uh, hard on us. To, sure, you had to do it all yourself. But then, but then the little by little, uh, she started coming back. So little by little, people are are trying to come back. So that's increasing the, the uh, cases. So it's not really a technically a second wave, is it? It's just that. It, it, it was suddenly, uh, well, not suddenly, kind of late. It was uh, decided uh, to to lock down as much as people could bear or depending on cities, states, and counties, what they could do. And and then people were anxious to get back. And so maybe yeah. the, it wasn't a second wave. It was just the, the first wave that, that, was this, that was allowed to come back. <laughs> So maybe you a, know, this, a second this, wave this, is considered a like a, a mutant, is what maybe what is yes yes viruses viruses mutate yes they 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 change they they adapt so uh, we have no control over that it's a random thing uh, sometimes they fizzle away sometimes they become uh, less aggressive sometimes they, they they sometimes they become deadly. They change the way they transmit. Sometimes they're, they're they can be airborne. It's just we don't know. One thing is for sure: if you have a, a teenager uh, that you have to um, uh, take care of, um, if your teenager is not gonna follow your rules, you you know you can lock the doors, you can lock the windows. They're gonna find a way to find a party. And, and we as individuals are a little bit like that with the confinement and how we are dealing with uh, the threat of the virus. We just, uh, we are just like uh, immature teenagers. And that's all I have to say about that. Mm. I'm trying to look up if there's a what what the technical definition of a second wave is. There's one place that says a a, a phenomena of infections that can develop during a pandemic. The disease infects one group of people first, then the infection of the infections appear to decrease, and then infections increase in a different part of the population. Resulting in a second wave of infections. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna come up in a second part of the population because the first part was immunized already. <laughs> and a stupid thing to say is that, you know, once you caught it, you have it. Unless, unless in some cases the, the virus changes so much that uh, you're not immune enough to it, and you're gonna catch it again. So you have a partial immunity to it. No. Oh. Co coronavirus, what is a second wave and is one coming? Firstly, what is a second wave? You think of, you can think of it like waves in, an, in the sea. The number of infections goes up 
and then comes back down again. Each cycle is one wave of coronavirus. Yes, there is no formal, no formal definition. It's not particularly scientific. How you define a wave is arbitrary. Dr. Mike Tysley from the University of Warwick told BBC. An observable Some... spike in cases, reported cases, infections and, and deaths. That's a spike. It's, it's, you know, it's observable. You look at the graph. Whoa, a wave. Whoa, oh, <laughs> a wave. It could be. Maybe we are having a, a second wave, but, but some describe any rise as a second wave, but it's actually often a bumpy first wave. Right. This, happened, this was happening in some U.S. states. In order to say one wave has ended, the virus would have to have been brought under control in cases fallen substantially for it to be, and then it, then the then the second wave would would start, and then you could call it a second wave. But we we didn't bring it under control. Maybe we kind of suppressed it, but suppressed it too late because it it was kind of here and there everywhere. <laughs> it kind of. Right. And then, then people started getting active again, so then it's spreading again. For a second wave to start, you would need a sustained rise of infections. New Zealand, which had its first case after 24 days with that coronavirus. And Beijing, which is facing an outbreak after 50 virus-free days, are not in this position. What? A sustained rise. Also, they're not having a second wave. But some scientists argue Iran may be starting to meet the criteria criteria for a second wave. Hmm. So are we going to be having a second wave technically? Or is or is it just that we decided to, to get out more? <laughs> it's just the first wave just uh, added to it. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It ain't. But anyway, what's our topic? Oh, I hired our our Greek uh, our wordsmith David Norton to give a presentation. Our Greekologist David Norton, but he's not going to. Well, maybe he will uh, give us the etymology the of the word instinct and the word. Mm, Policies. Uh, let's see. Yes, because let's see. Get back to to zooming. Let's see. If I share, I go share screen, and I go to. Um, where's meetup? Maybe it's this one. Meetup. Hmm. Yes, instinct or policies. Which one do we operate by? Let's see what it says. Hmm. Details. Who creates the greatest control a person has over themselves? Nature or other people? There's other questions we could ask. What parts of our declarations, curiosities, 
and habituations are determined by nature. And what are determined? Nature or nurture. So policy is nurture. And what are created by policies? And instinct by Instinct policies. is nature. Mm. So it's the old uh, adage, uh, nature or nurture. What paths of these events lead to happiness or eudaimonia? Can we attain happiness or eudaimonia through one or the other alone or is it a combination? Could it be that Instinct is system one thinking and, and policies is system two thinking where we uh, place a government with policies to guide us along, to keep us in line. And in, yeah. our, bo in our body, in, we have a policy area of the brain the the prefrontal cortex is it called or lobe that yes, uh, that we uh, use we have uh, policies that we we try to follow uh, we're observing what our body is doing and then it's like for example we we uh, see something that we know is delicious like chocolate and and uh, but then our policy kicks in and says mm, maybe we should avoid that but then our okay. instinct uh, overcomes our policy and eats it anyway so maybe. let's let, let's let's break this down right let's break it down let's say for i always like to to imagine this um Let's say that we, we live in a world of one. So forget about everybody else. You're just there by yourself. Let's also assume that you are there by yourself as you are now. You know a lot of stuff, right? You're a modern man. You have all the benefit of all the science that we have accumulated throughout uh, centuries. But... Let's, let's assume that with your intelligence and your skills and experience, with all your knowledge, that you are all by yourself in this very, very lonesome little planet. And there's nobody else around but nature itself, as we know it today. Now, how do you, how do you use your instinct? And what kind of policy are you going to institute? Because you're the only one. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. You are the individual and the government at the same time. Does that put things in perspective a little bit? I will become a Buddhist. <laughs> Good morning, Joel. <laughs> That isn't that the the objective of Buddhism and Stoicism as they 
philosophy for conducting one's life is to somehow mm, maintain some control of our impulses of our body of our of our uh mm, First of all, let System. me ask this question. Let me ask this question. What is the difference between a Buddhist and a Buddha? A Buddha is one who has attained perfect control of his system, has conquered his uh, impulses, and a and Buddhism is is the the teachings that arose from this person 25 centuries ago and 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 they uh they chanted what they recalled and eventually wrote it down in in text yeah, but that's that's buddhism what is buddhist and a and a buddhist is one who has is following the the buddha's prescriptions and is uh trying to control his impulses. Welcome, Seth Rappaport in uh, Claremont hey. area. How you doing, Seth? Good, how you doing? Doing good. Happy how Saturday. Was, how was Holiday. your uh, uh, Christmas? How did you celebrate it? Uh, we celebrated it at home just the four of us because my son is back from Massachusetts and uh, we mm. to us it's a food event <laughs> so we made a beef wellington and uh, we made a uh, my wife made a uh, lemon meringue pie from fresh lemons from the backyard Wow! and uh, yeah so we like to challenge ourselves and the beef wellington had to be gluten free as well because my wife and my daughter are gluten-free. So it was quite, we'd never made one before. So it was, it was quite an adventure. Uh -huh. Other than that, we sat around and watched Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> gluten-free beef Wellington? Yeah. What, yeah. why is it called a uh, Wellington? Is it, is that a I would only place assume in that Great it was, Britain? It, yeah, it was probably created for Lord Wellington, would be my guess. <laughs> Didn't you see that That's episode on Doubt Abby? Oh, I'll have to watch it. That's a good series. I'm watching. That is a good series. Some uh, shows like that. I was watching The Spanish Princes about Caterina de Aragon, Catherine of Aragon. She married uh, Prince Arthur. Then he died by a pandemic called uh, the sweat. They don't even know what, what caused it, but they called it at that time the sweat or something. And you get you start sweating and then you might uh, get, get worse and die or survive. <laughs> and nobody oh, knew wow. what was going on. That but sounds I like guess, a flu. Uh, hygiene kind of helped, I guess. Oh, there's oh, Zeke. Seth, I have a question for you before we get busy. What's that? You are in uh, IT, right? No, I'm, I'm studying. studying IT. I oh. work in the entertainment business. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to contact Ziki. with somebody that's in artificial intelligence. 
You're trying to contact somebody? Yeah, I'm trying to see if I can do a little project. Welcome, uh, David. That has to do with artificial intelligence, yeah. I know somebody, actually, that does, I believe. I'll, I'll ask him. If, if it's a, my idea is to feed uh, a concept uh, in the algorithm, uh, the concept of uh, um, a guaranteed guaranteed work in society. That means that uh, there is no unemployment. Uh, so basically, anyone that uh, is you know of age, that means eighteen, that's they're done with school, uh, with high school they can show up and get a job. Of course, it's going to be a social job. So we, we could, we could you know, kind of complicate a little bit the, the algorithm. It would be a social job. Typically, whoever is out of work is, you know, not the typical professional with a career, blah, 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 blah. It's just people that, you know, just uh, are trying to survive mm. at, yeah. the, at the bottom. So it would have to be a, an easy to do social work which would be a reinvestment in our community, typically uh, cleaning uh, the streets, fixing streets, uh, 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 painting defaced buildings, uh, cleaning parks, uh, rivers, beaches, helping with the in recycling centers so we can uh, increase the efficiency of our recycling, stuff like that. And <laughs> wow. I, well, I will tell you, uh, this guy once told me that AI is not all it's cracked up to be. No, yet. of course, of course. There's but, a lot more hype about it than reality. But the, see, because of the hype, if I could have somebody uh, serious in this business, and we could uh, uh, somehow recreate uh, through a, 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 a good AI uh, software uh, the results of such a political action, and see what yeah. it would do, what it would do to the models of economy, unemployment, uh, social. So are you talking uh, just labor, or are you talking like uh, overall? I'm sorry. The whole the talking... whole system, the whole system, the whole system. That that could be a simulation. You could model the yes. whole system so, and run the know, simulation, the, a computer so, simulation, and see what the outcome and would be. Sociologists and economists try to see where things are going based on numbers. Uh, and what I'm I would like to do is to be able to have access to the already ongoing systems, put those in an AI program, then feed a political change. A change, they would say, okay, from now on, if you want a job, you got it. You show up, you punch in, and you work your eight hours. And of course, we would have to give a little bit more detail to this. How much are you going to pay? Uh, I have some ideas that it would be a, a minimum wage that is commensurate to the cost of living in your, in your postal, uh, postal uh, uh, code. Yes. For example, you see what I mean? So mm -hmm. basically, if you feed that into a system, you could somehow have the algorithm uh, uh, just go through the motions and see what would happen. What would happen if every family has enough work to uh, pay their rent and uh, buy stuff, buy the shoes? Uh, it, blah, 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 blah. So what would yeah. it do to the economy? Because they're always talking about trickle-down economics. You know, you invest at yeah, the top work. and it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's go trickle up. 
economics. How about trickle up economics? Oh, right. I think that's you a great idea. At, you feed at the bottom, <laughs> uh, but you don't give money for nothing. That's that's one thing that in the system uh, has to go. You you have to be uh, uh, certifiably disabled and unable to to do stuff for the collective in order to say, okay, you are exempt from work. We're going to take care of you. Like very old uh, folks, uh, uh, people that are uh, disabled, et cetera, et cetera. But anyone deemed uh, ready and fit to work, and it doesn't have to be heavy labor. It could be answering phones. It could be, you know, uh, uh, you know a psychologist, a psychologist that is out of work could very well be uh, giving therapy, you know, to people that yes, need uh, blah, blah, blah. One, two, three. Or paying or paving roads. Yeah, Paving sweet. roads. It depends. You, you, have <laughs> you think a, a sociologist would be happy with that, though? Sometimes. So sometimes, would you have the ability, people. would you have the ability to opt out? Like the, 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 the computer calls you, you know, yes, the, the yes. algorithm you get called. Yeah, yeah. You're a doctor and they want you to go dig ditches. So do you have the opportunity no, to no. say, right, no, yeah. thanks. Yeah. No, because if you're a doctor, this does not compete against, in a sense, the capitalist uh, uh, private sector. This supplements the private sector in the sense that if a doctor has a job, we, we're not going to mess around with his job. No, just, but what if the doctor uh, has no he, work? Uh, then, he, then he has work. But No, but uh, what if he doesn't like that kind of work, uh, digging well, ditches? We can... I mean, this is this is a, a, a system that we can put together. As a matter of fact, it is a great idea to ask these yeah. questions to be able to feed the algorithm properly. But hello, let's say that we can. Hello, Ziki. How are you, Ziki? Hi, that's actually not Ziki. That was from my son yesterday. Um, this is Rami, and I'm updating. Rami, Luis's idea is not is not unique. This is actually sort of a, a socialist plank of the Democratic Party is pushing a jobs guarantee and has been for a while. And the where idea of that, where is that plan? I haven't I haven't seen it. I haven't it's, heard. Uh, it's in the Green New Deal, isn't it? it it's it's Our yeah, absolutely. Infrastructure. Absolutely, it's in there. And and uh, you also have people uh, like um, uh, Hayek, who wrote in, in the 40s about uh, the serfdom of America. I think that when you want to do things like incorporate AI, if, you, if, if, if it satisfies you to, to play like a, a central figure where everyone's working according to your dream, then go ahead and uh, load up a copy of SimCity, any of the versions, and, and it'll do that for you. And you can you can model any sort of number of ways. Is how is the with, result? Well, you, and you can try different results. And if you want to be the ruler of a nation state, you can go to nationstates.com or net, whatever that is, and try different sort of political economic models and see what works for you. Whatever satisfies you personally is, 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 is cool. You do that with the simulated non-person characters. But yeah. uh, but persons themselves, you'll find, are, are either going to disappoint you or be disappointed by you. That um, I know for a fact, but for sure. Yeah. I mean, that that is already that, that's why the system, the, the algorithm. I mean, we can talk more about this. Maybe we can make this the, the, the subject of today's. Uh, the subject is uh, is David Norton is going to introduce uh, uh, like uh, uh, instincts mm -hmm. or yeah. policies. Take it away, David. 
<laughs> well, the thing is, you could actually go down this particular line of thought and, you know, incorporate, you know, our instincts as that, that's what that's what Louise is actually doing here. Instinctively, he thinks that this is a good program of having everybody work, which, you know, it certainly is to a degree, you know, um, but the thing is that there is created by policies. I think that one of the more interesting things uh, going down the, the line of cultural change you know, is the cultural change that is actually happening here in our United States today with uh, the fusion, what I call the fusion of the Chinese culture into our being incorporated into our society. And I think it's something that a lot of people are totally unaware of, you know, but the thing is the Chinese have uh, infiltrated the United States and high level jobs and large corporations. And the thing is their culture is currently being incorporated into, into the lives of people, the, especially the communist type of uh, political agenda. You know, and the thing is, this uh, thing with COVID-19 is just part of it, where they take and people are confined. And, you know, you have to stay at home, you have to follow the rules. And, uh, you know, it's just something that uh, is, is happening. You know, Good and, morning. Uh, what? Uh, I'm sorry, no, no. You're not done. Go ahead. Keep going. Oh, go ahead. Have you ever been, have you, David, have you ever been to China? No, I've never been to China. Um, but the thing so is, let me, tell uh, you, let, let me tell you something about what China is really like. All right. China is communist, but it's capitalist at the same time. It's general population. They're pretty much allowed to do whatever they want as long as they don't mess with the government. And for the most part, some people do well, some people do not. But they do have a jobs guarantee in China. They will put you to work if you say, I need work. And their political system, all right, you know, they're still trying to hang on to the communist thing, but they generally leave people alone. As long as they're not making trouble, you're free to do whatever you want. Well, the thing so is, and, Seth, that, that's very what cool. I understand from, I have Spoken a very good a friend of mine that works for a, a religious organization, and I understand that there's tremendous uh, religious persecution in China. No matter what phase. I didn't find that at all. I don't think, no, I didn't find that at all. I was in big cities. I was in Beijing. When did you go? Macau. When did you go to China, Seth? I've been a few times. I went for the 2008 Olympics uh, to work for, on a Coca-Cola building <laughs> in uh -huh. the uh, Olympic Square. And uh, I went to Macau, uh, I think it was 2010. We were there for a long time. It was did you, 78 days. Yeah. Uh, did you uh, feel that people in general that you met in the streets, in the elevator, in the, in the offices, they were uh, generally happy, unhappy, neurotic? Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the guy I was uh, sharing a condo with, his girlfriend, uh, uh, I, I, I talked to her one day and I said, you know, how do you feel about living here? And she was like, oh, we, we love living here. And not like in a communist way either, like a, we love living here. Uh, and we had some talks about freedom. You, in China, you have to carry an identity, a national identity card with you at all times. Police can ask for it at any time. And uh, she asked me, she said, is it like that in the U.S.? I said, no. I said, if you don't want to show the police your ID, you can tell the police to fuck off. Probably not the best idea, not but anymore. you can do it, you know? So... Uh, she found that very strange. They look at the government as taking care of them. The government's taking care of us. So 
They do believe again, in the government, kind of a, whereas we don't. <laughs> we don't believe in government. They have a great belief in the government. They believe yeah. in government. Yeah. They have yeah. a sense of identity. Well, you have no freedom. You have no freedom if the government is taking care of you, because the thing is, you're confined to all the policies of the and the control of the government. And the thing is, you talk about capitalism within China. It's my understanding that any corporation here that goes to China and wants to invest, they have to fork over a part of their corporation to the Chinese government. That so doesn't the thing surprise is, me. You wouldn't believe conceive... how much paperwork I had to go through just to work there. Hmm. Reams of paperwork. I had to get an original birth certificate to send to them. I had to send them my college degrees, copy of my college degrees, my marriage certificate. Then I had to get an estoppel, right? Which basically uh, an estoppel from the, is from the state. And it says, we attest to the fact that this guy is, is who he says he is, right? Did you... Then that has to go to the state department. And the state department, I had a letter that was signed by Condoleezza Rice <laughs> to yeah. give to the Chinese so I could work there. Did you see but, um, uh, people in the street uh, begging? Did you see uh, any homeless, any, anyone pushing a cart? No, Ever, anywhere? no, uh, no, not That's even a, a minute. Not, maybe in Macau. Macau's kind of a seedy place. Um, yeah. Macau, that's pretty gamble, right? D that's where David, they gamble, David, you said something that, uh, that kind of... Uh, struck uh, a question in, in here is do you conceive any human collective that can function without any rules no i don't think so at all but i think the rules okay. should be allowed to create the freedom from uh the suppression or oppression from a government because the thing is without it uh, and what do know? you consider oppression or suppression well the thing is if you take a communist government And, uh, you know, like China, you know, for example, the other day I heard this uh, conversation, um, you know, about this one fellow. He was asked, a young fellow, maybe 20 years old, about Tiananmen Square. And the thing is, he had no idea that Tiananmen Square ever existed. And the thing is, one of the things with communist government is they try to take and hide the past. And they don't allow that to be part of their uh, teachings. Okay, on the other hand, there was another fellow that was also there that was an elderly man that actually lived there during Tiananmen Square. And he was talking about the brutality that took place at that particular time. Well, the thing is, if you have bring a, 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 even a, a government or pe a people up and just lie to them, okay, everything that they believe is going to be a, a lie, you know, because they have no past and they only look at what they have now. And that there is what the intent of this new world government is, I believe, trying to do. And do you can find that even in our policies the other day in this bill that they sent to uh, the president to sign about, um, about the new um, budget, you know? And inside of the budget, they have all kinds of crap in it. And one of them is to change the names of several different bases that they have because they say they were Confederate soldiers. I mean, the thing is, that's the way the communist government works in order to make changes you know so they do that by policy and the policy is what they teach in the in the schools and if you continue that you know the thing is when people can't freely think you no longer will have things like uh, new discoveries or whatever because it'd be confined to uh, the original thoughts that they're at at the moment which will continue to um, come down to actually nothing 
you know? So. So David. I don't know. What I found was that people in China, they know their real history anyway. (laughs) And uh, they don't care. Chinese people just don't care about that kind of stuff as much. They're, They're concerned, the average Chinese person is concerned with making a buck and living, you know? Uh, uh, Do you think it's any different here? Not, not really. That's my point. <laughs> you know, these people are perfectly. But happy they have rules and regulations that they have to follow, and you just said. Yeah, but theirs are just a so little do more we. strict. So do we. For, for the for the average Chinese person, those rules are not that strict because they're just going about their business, right? So. Uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about rules and regulations because I, I grew up. In a uh, in an authoritarian uh, dictatorship, I was I lived in a country that was under a dictatorship for about forty years, mm-hmm. under the 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 iron rule of Franco, Generalissimo wow. Franco. So, mm-hmm. I, my experience, my experience as a young uh, kid and a teenager, because I was a teenager, I was in high school, late uh, late years of high school. Uh, when uh, he passed, and he passed the power on to a uh, some kind of a, uh, a transition team under the uh, under the uh, authority of the king. Uh, but in any case, it was a, a, a one of those places that David you would consider uh, suppressive, uh, uh, a dictatorship that uh, you at in no at no time. Could you openly, <laughs> you could subversively talk about it. You could have your, uh, uh, you know, disagreements with, uh, with the whole thing, but openly you could not say "f you," Franco, because you would get it. Um, in the meantime, that put aside, uh, the society that I grew up in was uh, orderly. It was uh, organized. Uh, nobody was left behind. The educational system was outstanding. The uh, healthcare was outstanding. People were happy because they got uh, to, uh, a month of vacation paid, and then many other vacations in Christmas and everything. The economy was strong. Society was safe. You could roam the streets, age four, five, six, seven, twelve, or whatever. And nobody was going to mess with you because if anyone messed with anybody, they were going to get it. So uh, the more justice, the less freedom. And the, the more freedom, the less justice. So we have to come to terms with what is a good policy? What is a good set of rules? Um, uh, and this is something we have to agree, all of us, in a democratic way hopefully. And if we cannot agree democratically, we can only pray for a, a gentle, a bona fide uh, a dictator, a good dictator. Uh, you know, the thing is, I look at it in a much different way. I believe in the democratic republic. I think the democratic way has proved itself to be self-serving. And the thing is in self-serving itself, it also is self-destructive. Self-serving is right. Self-serving you know? is right. So, you know, the thing is, I'm not I'm not one for everybody taking a vote and seeing what's there, because that there can be persuaded through propaganda too easily. 
I think that, you know, the thing is, when I originally come up with this instincts or policies, you know, to me, I take and separate life uh, into two different categories. You know, one category is the things that are natural, the things that are really real. You know, the things, you know, like we have to eat food in order to live. I mean, that there is an absolute. Um, we have to have something to nourish our bodies. Our bodies so we have to work, right? Huh? So we have no, to work. people don't necessarily have to work. People Somebody is going to have to work. What? Somebody's going to have to plant. Somebody has is going to have to uh, uh, right. work to, to to feed or somebody else. Right. That's that's true. But the thing is, there's different ideologies as to how you approach the work. You know, the thing is, just like you mentioned before, you know, it sounds like that was a big thing for you for people to have medical insurance and medical uh, coverage or to take and have a vacation. Some people, especially in a free nation like we live in here, people are satisfied with just doing their work whether they're working 12 hours a day or working, you know, eight hours a day or four hours a day, you know, when they do their work, they, they do it on their own to satisfy and take care of another need for somebody else. And to me that there is more important than having to take and have a vacation a month long or having, having medical insurance, because there's a great divide even in our country now as to, you know, the science of medical insurance or medical needs versus the uh, ideals of, you know, controlling, you know, uh, disease and so on and so, so forth through the idea of controlled uh, consumption of the foods that we eat and also the vitamins that we take. So you have two different ideologies that exist there. I look at one as natural and say the other one is very much uh, policy driven. And these policies that created this science of, uh, of medical care was designed to create huge amounts of capitalism and capital. And that there is what's happening right now, even with the, um, you know, with the COVID-19, it's, it's, it's capital driven, you know, because the thing is, you look at before they come out and they said, well, hydroxychloroquine really takes care of uh, a lot of this disease if it's applied early on, you know, and they found that it actually sort of knocked it out. And the thing is everybody propaganda wise said, no, hydroxychloroquine kills people. And they had enough people political people to come out and say that, hey, yeah, this does do that. And they found people that supposedly were scientists, but really were not, go against it. And then you come out and there's other doctors that were masked over thousands of doctors that say, hey, this stuff is really good. And now since Trump has been voted out of office, the AMA comes out and says, yeah, hydroxychloroquine is really good. So it just shows you how the political aspect of medicines and even the way that people treat their own diseases, one is through natural ways and the other is through political policy. And these two things exist in all aspects of our lives. So the thing is, I mean, do you wanna be, have a choice? Or the thing is, are you the kind of person that just wants to take and have somebody look out for you and tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do? You know? We're gonna have to, to, we're gonna have, to have a combination of both things. I wanna have a choice and at the same time, I wanna have some some uh, a structure, because if we don't have any rules, there's no structure. Anybody can do whatever the hell they want. And you better hope that everybody's a, you know, very good philosopher and well-behaved. Well, that's libertarianism, uh, basically, you know. You know yeah, but, but that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, the humanity, if you look at the human race, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, they are, they don't want to follow rules. They want their rules to be everybody, you know, it's just, 
they don't they're anti anti-social they're you know they they are socio sociopaths out there they just don't want to follow okay. anybody's rules Louis, so you think that the, you think the 70 million people that voted for donald trump are sociopaths that's what a lot no, of people I would not. no no you can't you can't you can't say that no every individual you has can't to say be that taken. but a lot of people are but i don't i mean just because a lot of people say stupid stuff I, I don't have to about, if you're talking about government you're talking about a large percentage of people that make up that government. I'll, I'll always try to find the middle way between the individual and the collective. Well, the individual has individual uh, responsibilities and the collective has its own responsibility towards the individuals. And I try to m match the needs of the one or the few or the one versus the many. And that's where I try to... Uh, come up with a system, a set of rules that uh, is good for as many people as possible while not infringing on the intimate uh, freedoms of each individual. That's well, all. I mean, the thing is, that's obviously the perfect thing to do, you know what I mean? And you can do that in a free society. But the thing is, what I'm saying in a society that's controlled by, you know, just purely legislation and rules, it's not. And the thing is, there's the policies of, of people. And then there's also nature. And you take like one of the issues in the United States right now is, um, you know, is gender. Okay. The thing is, by nature, people are born either male or female, correct? Mostly. Okay. Huh? Grand majority, they used, mostly. They used to. <laughs> yeah. it, appears, they used to. it appears they weren't. <laughs> well, I know, but the thing is, by nature, by nature, is there any other way to be? I mean, can I give birth through my penis? Maybe someday you will. Science is good. Oh, but you can feel however you want about yourself. As, no. you know. I mean, the thing is, in reality, though, I mean, by nature's ways and part of nature, people are born either male or female, unless there's some kind of a freaky thing that happens and a guy has or person that, has both physically, things. yes. Huh? Mentally, physically, yes. But the point that the, some people well, are trying to make is that mentally, you can be whatever the hell you want, no matter what your body is. So, okay, that's true. I agree with that. Mentally, a person it's a matter of that's driven that's driven by policy, not by the nature and the instincts of of people, of male or female people. David, 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 David that's mainly true. What? Uh, that people are born one way or another. But there are phenomena known as hermaphrodites. I think I mentioned that. Okay, I, I didn't. Well, I didn't use you. the word. David, would you like to give your uh, five or to ten minute presentation on instincts or policies? Well, to... the thing is, my presentation is all in the questions, and right now we're actually approaching and doing the questions that I had prepared. In the fact that we're talking about, you know, when oh. you talk about instincts and the policies the thing is people create policies of the world that they're living in it's not something of nature itself okay the thing what? is nature itself yes. is is like like i say if a person is born male or female i mean the only way that that can be changed is through policies you can look at the policies of science you can look at the policies of desire and all these other things and i'm not saying that those things are bad but the reality is Basically, human beings are born by nature, either male or female. 
And the thing is, our nature has an absolute government that people can take and create policies to adjust it to their desires. But the thing is, they cannot take and change nature in its in its right. So, so what do you mean by, by as, what as you, long as I don't have to pay for it, I'm okay with it. So what do you mean by instincts? What what what's the definition of instincts? And what's well, the definition of policies? Instinctively, you know, take between a male and a female, their natural thing is to get together and appropriate, you know. And the thing is, once they have children, the natural thing to do is to take and look, okay, after each other. But the thing is, policies that we have that are that drive our government sometimes cause these instincts or these natural ways not to exist, you know, yes. through the different policies that, that exist in our government. It used to be very sinful to get together and not procreate. That was a that? nasty. Yeah. It used to be very, very in. bad. It was unnatural, as a matter of fact, to get together a man and a woman it, with any intention other yeah, than but you're, you're talking about religious, religious doctrine and religious policy. I mean, Political that's, policy, religious oh, policy. Policy is policy, right? Policy, policy, policy. is policy. <laughs> right, policy is something that's created by people. But at the same time that they're creating these policies like that, they're also creating problems and not really addressing the problem. You know, it's not a, really procreation is not a problem only created by people. Is it, is, yes. Is it to possible have, to live without policies? Is there a, a form of government no, that is no, policy less? It's impossible, it's impossible no. to live without policy. All right. Well, we, I, might I'd as like well to, make the best of it. I'd like to take a poll. I'd like to take a poll of everyone here and see what what the what what each of you thinks about a policy that says that you must mm -hmm. affirm a lie. What is your position on the idea where the policy is you must affirm a lie, a blatant lie, something that you know is a lie, and the policy is you must affirm it. What is your position, each of you, starting with whoever wants to step up first? I'll start. Americans do it every day. I'll out. start. I, I, Rami, I, I totally agree with you that the thing is, when we're asked to affirm a lie, the lie is something that is just the opposite to us now. It's a truth that is turned into something that is not true in our in our own perception. So the thing is, to me, the idea is 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 wrong. You know, to do that. I I personally, I don't think by nature people can take and support a lie that they know is uh, truth on the opposite end. So the thing is, we're sort of compelled, you know, to take and be defensive against that or find that very offensive. But yet, on the other hand, people have grow, if people grow up into an area of something that is a lie, say like a child grows up and says, hey, you know, there's all these different sexes and you have to take and use this pronoun for so on and so forth. Okay, that will become truth for that person even though it's a lie to nature. So the thing is, uh, if you told that child that grew up in that manner that that was false, they would not believe that. So the thing is, what you're saying is I agree with because I don't think people against their nature will take and accept a lie uh, as truth when they know better. Joel, you have a question. Can, can or, or you had your hand up, Joel. I, I was, I don't know if everyone has the latest version of Zoom. It just came out a couple days ago. 
but uh, the whole process of uh, raising your hand and putting comments. So I was just experimenting with that, but I'm sorry if I disturbed uh, the harmony of this discussion. Well, well since you, you have, chime in. Are you got, yeah, you're going to have to answer. <laughs> yeah, we're, go ahead. We're conducting a poll here. About Rami's question. Okay. Uh, well, again, not to beat a dead horse because it's obvious that no one wants to discuss this in its uh, elemental form, in my view. It boils down to our senses, our sense of touch our sense of taste. These are primary, I don't know whether the word instinct is appropriate, but these are primary experiences. And we are able to perceive them only solipsistically. And as a result of those experiences of our senses and the facility to calculate mathematics, we have evolved something called language. And this language makes an attempt to bridge our individual experiences with others' individual experiences. And sometimes we can arrive at an agreed perception of an experience. And it's those arrived at agreed experiences that we can build on as a collective. So to jump from that to state policies is probably farther than my small brain can handle. Um, but there are no fixed policies because that would be dependent on the size of the state. A policy that works for the state of my household which is my Neonita and I might not work for the size of the state of Seth, which is, I understand, a four-person state. And then how our individual states will react with each other to the extent we would have contact would be a, a much larger policy decision. So looking at the global giant uh, state that we're in and thinking we can find a way to introduce an economic system that will please or satisfy all is something that I think is just fantasy, but it'll make an interesting morning discussion. And with that, I hope I've contributed enough to reward myself with a coffee now. Yeah, get your coffee. Well said. Right. I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a shot uh, at answering the question from... Uh, from Rami, uh, I, you know, last week we were discussing uh, skepticism, uh, Pyronian thinking, and how these guys uh, use the concept of bracketing, uh, also epoche, which uh, in English is uh, suspension of judgment. So, I. I would say to, to that, when I don't know, I suspend judgment. So I, I don't uphold a lie. If I don't know for sure, I'll go, but I don't know. I just, I can't decide either uh, for or against. 
that might sound like a, a cop-out, but in reality is the best way to handle aporia, which is uh, a, a, a puzzle to the mind where you don't know uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's the right policy or the wrong policy. That doesn't mean you run away, you, you, but you don't run away from the conflict in, in a, a rational, logical, analytical uh, terms. You just don't get emotionally involved with it. So in a sense, you become a true scientist that goes, maybe yes, maybe no, I don't know. We're going to hypothesize and we're going to continue looking at this problem and see if we can come up with an answer. So uh, my answer is, if I don't know something, I uh, withhold judgment. Uh, when I speak out for something, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, according to others, but I am right to, according to my thing. So I always speak my truth. It may not be everybody's truth, but at least I know, at least I know that I'm speaking my truth. And because I'm, I'm opening my mouth and saying yes or no, for or against, I, anyone listening to me after what I just said must agree that I've been giving it some thought. I've been uh, uh, pondering, I've been studying, analyzing, and then I decided it's like, you know, I think uh, uh, guaranteed work is a solution for social injustice. It's the beginning of a you know solution because you know just because I guarantee work for you, I don't guarantee that two hundred or five hundred uh, uh, years of uh, racism, for example, did not affect uh, you know who you are today, your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But since I cannot fix that, I cannot fix the past. I can at least say, well, let's give a, a starting point to everybody. Does that sound like a lie to somebody else? Maybe. But to me, because I'm opening my mouth about it, I have spent time about it. I'm thinking this would be a very good political solution. Guaranteed work. Just to give an example. Rami, well, can you re repeat the question? Yeah, I wanted to hear it again. Too. What, what happens when the official policy, the policy backed by the force of government, is that you must defend a lie? Oh, could that be in reference to the lie uh, that this uh, election was stolen and we're forced to accept that lie? Is, could that I'm, be not, I'm not giving you a specific and you can draw from any any sort of history, 20th century or prior. Right. Um, what, what happens? What are the consequences when you are compelled by the force of, of law or government or policy? or executive order to affirm and defend and to propagate a lie. What society <laughs> in the world doesn't do that? Yeah, good Every point. society in the world does that. It's true. It's just a matter of perception. We, we, there are lies that are political, that our, that our leaders have planted in people's heads, whether it's one way or the other. They are lies that have been planted in people's heads and people are lapping it up, lapping it up. <laughs> so. But you not know, everybody. And, and if you no. were in France, the same thing would happen. If you were in uh, Argentina, if you were in the, uh, Russia, if, that's yeah. always going to happen. It's part of society. But not everybody laps. People are going to lie. Right, Seth? What's that? Not everybody laps it up. 
Seth. So the, 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 you're, you're a right. Lot of people, I, a lot of people just uh, drink the Kool-Aid. Well, but, but then you're talking about a don't. person. You're talking about a person. I'm talking right. about people. Oh, yeah, yeah. The collective, you know, the collective. Yes, yeah, yes, the yes. collective. You know, like you said. So, uh, uh, I think people are always going to lie. I think governments are always going to lie to people that they govern, and those people will believe it to some extent. I'm not saying across the board, <laughs> right? But right. there are going to be some things the government are going to tell you, and you're going to believe it because the government is telling you. So, uh, uh, are we not free to pick and choose? Sure, we are. Isn't that our freedom? Not always. Not always. What if you have a duty to lie? What happens if you're a lawyer and you're defending uh, a a murderer or someone who has committed an infraction against law, but it's your duty to defend him? The the legal system has found a way. You're talking about... You're talking yeah. about the uh, press secretary of the president right now. You want to talk to somebody <laughs> so, who's duty about yeah. the lie. But okay, so well, we're does, talking the difference does, between talking about Dr. Fucci, legal, who, yeah. who who admitted that he he was he was managing people's perceptions. Yeah. So he literally uh, admitted that to, to Joel, the American people. Joel, you're talking about the distinction between legal and uh, just, you know, justice and legal. So the the lawyer is playing the game, the legal game, and in that is just upholding the legal. But the legal doesn't say if it is just or not. That's the difference. And of course, you, you know, either you play the game or not. You don't have to be a lawyer, so you can step out. The individual can pick and choose. And I think that's our true freedom is to go, yeah, sure, I don't buy it. Or, yeah, sure, I'm not going to play this game or that game. So I, I do believe, and this is my libertarian um, uh, philosophy, is like, if I know, if I instruct myself, if I analyze, I ponder, I open my eyes, I study properly, I can pick and choose. And I can uh, be free within a system that wants to say, uh-uh-uh, you have to be stupid, you have to close your eyes, you have to go through this door. So... It is my freedom, but I have to wake up. I have to open my eyes and go, no, no, I can decide for myself. But you're going to go to prison. Okay, I'll go to prison. Or I will uh, leave society. I will live in the desert. I don't want to deal with anybody. That's my prerogative. That's my true wisdom, my, my true freedom to, to see through uh, the, the imposition. I, I've, I've heard two things. I'm really interested in consequences here because I've, I've been raised to, to avoid certain classes of consequences. Uh, What you're saying is when society goes mad, leave society. In the case of China, if if you disagree and the state gets you first and puts you in prison, your heart, your organs can literally be harvested or your body can be plasticized and put on display and shipped around to museums. (laughs) These These are actual consequences. Where did you read that? Uh, I, I'm going to. Have you been that. to the Orlando Museum of Art where they had the plasticized bodies? Those oh, were yeah, political yeah, yeah. prisoners. Really? They were. They were on paper, people who donated their bodies to science. But listen, do you think that uh, those bodies that were of various ages died of natural consequences, or did they des- die as a result of the state, as so I, many I, other? I withhold judgment. Have died I don't as the know. results of state decisions, which have been the, the results of policies. I do not know. 
Well, you know should that. know, Louise, because what you're that. saying is society no, no, will go no, to no, hell, no, no. and, and your choices are either to be captured and killed early or, or abandon it entirely. You know, and that's what policies result in. What happened? We broke. We broke Zoom. Oh, right. I, I think I think there was a difference of opinion in Rami's household. Well, I better. I better. My mother didn't want I, me so loud. I better. I better Neither study the Chinese. Or my wife. I better Start study these Chinese bodies. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, you really do need to wake up. You really do need to wake up, and you do need to become aware of what the what what the what the consequences of some of the ideas that you're propagating produce, because things do not end well for people under such conditions. Does anybody want wine at eight in the morning, or is that just me? Rami, are you yes, still David. here? Good to see you, David. Yeah, good I, I came here for you, by the way. <laughs> I know. I understand your point, and I I'm against his wife's better judgment. I, I totally <laughs> go along with your your views and what you're saying about these things. The thing is, unfortunately, people only look at the surface of things rather than dig into the depths of uh, sometimes what's really happening. If you guys so, think for a second, guys, I have to I have to respond to Rami. If you think for a second that I am candid about the goodness of any government, any power. Uh, Rami, you, you are misreading me. I am very much aware that every government, the free, the communist, the, the banana republics, every source of power is just like that. Now, I don't care what those bodies uh, uh, were done to, if they were actually just, they took their bodies and they desiccated them. I, I, I know it is there. I am not blind to the corruption of power with regard to itself. All I'm saying is that given the world as it is, with power, with regulations, with the corruption of the, of the systems and the people, collectively and individually, I still uh, give myself my freedom to withhold judgment what I don't know and decide when I think I know, knowing that this truth to me is uh, absolute and always relative to anybody else. Well, that's my freedom. Yeah, that's your freedom to do that here in the United States. But the United States here that we live in has a constitution, a declaration of independence that holds this United States and this government probably higher than any other government in the world because it does allow the freedom for you to take and speak whatever you want to at any time that you want to. And it does allow for the opinions of people to evolve out of it. Many governments do not allow that to exist because the government controls speech. The government controls what you do. And just like you are talking about taking in this work program. I mean, sometimes the governments can take and create their own. They can create who they like, what religion is there. They can create so many different things that are not the same part of this United States that we live in. Because the thing is here, we have a choice of people can practice their own religious beliefs without a problem. They can practice whatever it is that they want to, as long as it doesn't uh, violate the fundamental uh, principles of respect for one another as far as the people goes. 
But the thing is, some governments are not like that at all. And that's what makes living in the United States uh, something that many people strive to do to live here. But the thing is, right now, this here sort of uh, constitution is under attack. And it's, the thing is, we're subconsciously in a, in a war within our own society. And they're trying to take and change words, change definitions that uh, some people will take and look at as a lie, which I do myself. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's rightfully so. The thing is, if people don't want to live in a free state to allow uh, freedom to exist through a Republican organization that we have here, then maybe they should just leave, you know. But I think the Constitution provides a lot of different things. The only problem that I really see, you know, with it is technology, because there is technology does not provide free speech. Technology only provides a yes or a no, a right or wrong. You agree with it or do you disagree with it? And doing that, the thing is, it is something that can easily lead into infringement upon the people's rights to think freely, to act freely, and to live in a free world, which is happening right now along with other governmental influences that are affecting the way that we all live. And the thing is, it's gonna be boiled down to, you know, which side of the fence are you on? You wanna be controlled by a uh, government that's uh, gonna take and tell you when to, you can work, when you can't work, what you can do and what you can think and what you can't think. Or you're gonna want a government that allows you freedom of speech, freedom of, of life, you know, it's up to you. So that's my rant. <laughs> Let me ask you something, David. When it comes to people who are, uh, uh, whether they're trans or gender binary or whatever that stuff, do you think it should be legal? Should people be able to, should it be legal for people to think that way? Well, number one, I believe in the freedom of uh, speech. I believe in the freedom of whatever. I think people should be free to do, um, if they are, you know, bisexual, that's their freedom, that's their choice. And I support that, whatever they would like to do. But the thing is, when you take and make things legal, okay, the thing is, there's always a government issue in there. And even with marriage, I sort of don't know if I really agree with a marriage between a man and a woman, because once that becomes political, okay, the children that are involved become part of it. And they become part of the government, not unknowingly. So the thing is, when you talk about legal things, to me, the less laws that you have, the more freedom that you have, whether it be between two people that are male and two males together, two females or a male and a female, no matter which way you go about it. You know, to me, they need that freedom. And to think that you need to have legal protection is just confinement into your own life as to what, what happens with that because the government is allowed then to come in and control the, what you thought, what you think, how you say what you think, and so many different things. So it's your legal question, I, I don't believe in that's a good thing, no. But I, hopefully I explain myself that I'm not against homosexuality or anything else with that. No, I was, so, more, I was more asking about the, I guess what I was asking is should you know, people who choose differently have the same rights as us? Yeah, if, not, if something is, yeah. Yeah, if something is not legal, if something is not legal, is it illegal? <laughs> is it necessarily well, no, it illegal if it's it not to, legal? They have, so to have a, they have to have a policy before anything can be considered illegal. But because, that's what you're saying, David. You're saying, hey, if, if a man wants to marry a man, you don't have to make it legal because it's not really illegal. 
Because so who, who cares? Right. Who cares? But the problem is when somebody, uh, your neighbor says, that's, that's not legal. <laughs> that's illegal. So how do you protect those two guys that want to marry? Because see, I really think, I think people are more likely rather than saying that's illegal would say that's immoral. Immoral, in but it, it, morality yeah, but it, and legality is the same thing for, for the No, but if somebody majority. tells me, hey, if it's legal, doing, it's all right. <laughs> no, but if somebody tells me what you're doing, Dave, is illegal or if that's immoral, that's I look at it as their opinion. That's their opinion. They're, they have a right to that opinion to accuse me in any way that they want to. And I also, in a free society, have a right to believe what I want to in a free society. And the thing is, if you have government rules and regulations regarding it, then it's mandated. It becomes something that. But, but David, you have to agree with me. If you if you want to be free to think what you want, and you have fifty thugs in front of you that don't want you to do that, who's going to protect you? Well, the thing is, right now, nobody protects you in these United States. I mean, that's the way it is. But your gun, your gun protects you. Yeah. There you go. There, there you go. go. The ultimate, the, the ultimate constitution. That's right. <laughs> the ultimate constitution. <laughs> But Let your me scenario, show you my right to be free. <laughs> your, your scenario there. Do you is see that? You see, because because Joel lives in Canada, that's their perception of Americans that we're just we all got guns, <laughs> and if anybody, you know, if I don't like something, I can shoot. I shoot you. Let's, let's face it. We live in the state of Florida, right? So you yeah. can kill somebody easy. <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all you have I to say is I was threatened, and you can shoot somebody to death. You know, in the gunshine state. But, yeah, I can get yeah, a gun tomorrow. You, you got one of the strongest gun laws in the United States. I, I can I, I can get a gun tomorrow if I want, and I can carry it about a week from there, and or something like that. It takes a little bit, so I can carry a gun like a cowboy. I, I can't show it because you know that would be immoral, but I can well, carry it. That's illegal because of policy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's true. And I, I agree with David that there should just less laws are better for the most part. And when it comes to personal liberty, uh, most, most, the less law, the better. So let's but agree that if something not is not legal, it's not necessarily illegal. If what? If, not, if something is not legal, it's not necessarily illegal. That way you don't have to do a law for everything. If it's not legal, it's what? It's not necessarily illegal. Well, that's true. I mean, the thing is... Because if, if, like, for example, drinking, drinking water is, uh, is not legal, and it's not illegal. It's not regulated. Right? Well, oh, I would disagree with that. Drinking water? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, but, but that... Any, the any, product is what's being controlled, though. You see, every, the, I mean... Or behavior. Behavior, peeing in the street is a natural thing, and yet it is illegal. See, so that's the problem that we want to regulate some things, but not others. Some things have to be. And and that's where we have to agree. What needs to be regulated? What needs to be legal? Or even better, what needs to be illegal? That's the, you know, because if, if you regulate the illegal stuff, that we agree upon, then you just uh, you just regulate the do not do this. Well, the thing but, is, you're regulating the when you say illegal, the thing is, it has to be a policy before it can ever be illegal. 
Without a policy, sure, it has sure, to be touched sure. by government. And, and, yeah. and you guys are trying to say no more policies. We have too many policies. I agree with you. No, 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 no. I'm not saying no policies. I'm just I'm saying either. as few no, as I you say, You're saying no more policies, too many policies. I agree with you. We're super regulated because it's we don't give ourselves we don't give ourselves the freedom to do the right thing, the natural thing. See? Uh, like nonviolence, right. uh, freedom of speech, freedom to do what you want, as long as you don't bother anybody. Like playing music in my room is legal. But if I play it so loud that the, the poor neighbor can't, can't sleep, then it is not right. So we should, in a sense, give ourselves the, the uh, uh, a priori sense of, okay, let's get along. Let's be nice. Let's, you know, be civilized. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take but just a few rules. Actually, there's a guy, a French guy that said that. Be happy and let, let others be happy without hurting yourself or others. Well, you know, to I me, mean, it, the way I look at it, you know, is that nature has its own policies whether people want to take and look at it or not. But the thing is, unfortunately, uh, nature sort of, nature's policies are never recognized, okay? And some of those policies are that, you know, like I was saying, people are born male and female. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, the only way that nature works, period. You know, or as, who was it, Joel was saying, the other term, which are, could be a male and female or whatever. I mean, these are realities yeah. of nature. Okay. Yeah, you, you're talking about things we have no choice over. But for example, taking care of our body right, but the is, only is a choice. The only and and people is, are not even doing that. The only thing you is, know? you see, that on the other side of that, people create their own policies in regards to what nature exists. Okay? So the thing is, with that, if you can't take and identify the policies of nature, then the policies of man, when you try to match them up, they won't make any sense because people will take and create policies of their desires rather than policies that relate to the nature of the situation or the event. So that yeah, I think but the nature of some sociology is nature, right? The fact that human beings come together to live in a collective yeah. is nature. Yeah. I would say from there on, once those people have collected, that's where opinions are going to happen about what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And somebody's going to take that over and say, I'm going to enforce what's right or wrong. Yeah. Whether it's, it's a government or whether it's the you know, chief of the tribe, somebody is going to end up in control. Yeah. And people are going to be giving them input about what they'd like. And yeah. in a perfect world, you go by what most people like. But in Seth, more likelihood, you're going to go by what you like. <laughs> you know, the, the, so. the perfect scenario, Seth, would be where the power and authority, and we can, we can have a Zoom meeting just about that. What's the difference between <laughs> power and authority? Yeah, no, that's a good one. I was yeah. listening to a, a philosopher talking about that. It was a beautiful uh, lecture. So when power and authority are together, then law and justice are also together. So when this dichotomy between power and common sense, you know, authority, something that is readily acceptable uh, naturally to human beings. When do we, how do we put that together? How do we- Well, the thing is right now, the thing is, you see the way I'm looking at it, you're looking at problems that are within the collective. To me, the thing is nature is not part of the collective because nature is ongoing, it's existence and it functions as an individual. 
you know, just for example, like uh, the foods. I mean, we're only on this planet for, you know, a period of time, you know, nobody knows exactly how long that period of time is, but in general, you know, for 70, 80 years, okay? And in that lifespan that we all live, we have a choice of choosing the foods that we eat, okay? But the thing is, say also, once we choose those foods, okay, there's some foods that are, are regulated through policies, okay? That once again, they influence our lives. But the thing is, the basic choice of nature <clears throat> boils down to the individual, you know, except to accept the, um, you know, these choices. So you have two government roles. You have the government of um, nature, and you also have a government of people which controls our each and everyone's life. So, did Rami leave us? Or is he still here? I think Rami has left. But I wonder, I think we, I think we get closer to making sense when we use actual examples, David. And I, I'm interested, if anyone else is, to go back to the example of male and female in yeah. nature. So yeah. if a child is born and it's born with a penis, we would generally recognize that child as being a male child. And I think they talk about that in the Bible and elsewhere. And if a child is born absent a penis, they would generally have a vagina. <sighs> and that would generally be referred to as a female child. And most societies would demand morally or legally that the parents the the woman from whom the child has sprung and her partner if she has one are obligated to care for that child but if a child is born and i agree it's a very rare thing but it is known with both a male and a female set of genitalia that is known as a hermaphroditic child. So is nature telling us that the laws of man, which dictate that the mother and the father are somehow responsible for the care and nurturance of that child, because it's such an unusual occurrence in nature that they should abandon that child to the elements? Is that what our government tells us, or our morality tells us, or our religion tells us. So that, that's a moral decision that would have to be taken at the time of birth, depending on the society in which that particular natural event took place. Although it's irregular and highly unusual, I don't know what the statistics are, but I imagine it would be less than one in a a hundred thousand how how would we what would our guidance be for how to deal with that real life natural situation and then if we come to a conclusion about that how would we move on from that where a child is a little different again maybe than the norm or than the ideal or the way we think nature designed us and it's born with either one set of genitalia or the other 
it's completely physically intact, but at a later stage of life that we identify as puberty generally, where sexual interest develops in one gender towards another typically, but this particular child develops a set of attractions for the same gender. What does morality and the law tell us? In some societies, you would be killed for that. Yep. Yeah, but the thing is here in the United States, I think truly because of our constitution and the freedoms that we have would take and embrace uh, a situation like that in which I believe they do. And the thing is, then you know, once a child is born like that, first of all, the author, the person that's in charge would be the parent that would make a decision as to what they would like to do. Because it's a child, when they're born like that, the child has no understanding of words or whatever. So immediately, the policy would be left up to the parent here in our United States. Is that but, right? I, I don't know if that's the case or not. So the parent could say, oh, well, this is this is too abnormal. Uh, put the child down. Well, the thing is, right now, the laws that are going on and being changed in this United States are going directly towards that uh, that ideal. And I think that's something that's very bad. But before, it really wasn't. Well, well I, I'm not clear when you say abstractly that ideal. I'm talking about a physical entity that has emerged from a fetus right breathing it's crying it's kicking but it has two sets of genitalia right it's called a hermaphrodite i understand that it's an abnormal and, then, and you're abnormal. suggesting to me that in the united states the parents could say oh just uh smother it with a pillow well it's sort of happening now i mean after this new oh, wait, wait a minute is that what the law is is that in some states yes I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, like, I have no idea what the law is in Canada either in that situation, to be honest with you. But my understanding is that the parents would not have that right. But I don't know that for a fact. I'm just guessing. No, the thing is, they, they passed, in some up. states, they passed new laws that allow um, a, a child to be born after they come out of the womb. So the thing is, if you have a parent that is, uh, finds that out right away and they say, well, we don't want that child. They can have that child supposedly they call it being aborted, which I think is totally wrong. Um, after they're born? After they're born. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, in the states of uh, New York and also in, uh, where's the other one? Virginia. Never heard of that. But, uh, but uh, you know, I don't know that that's not the case for sure. Yeah, that was passed this, yeah. uh, this past year, uh, you know, in their local House of Representatives or whatever law. A lot of these laws are changing. Before abortion had to be performed uh, sometime up until, I don't know, uh, three months before the child was born or something. I don't know exactly know what it was, but now they've changed yeah, the it. The second trimester. Huh? The second trimester. Yeah, but now they've changed it in some states so that it's even after the child is born. So that there would actually give uh, a parent uh, a choice that if they didn't want the child and the child was born that way to actually destroy the child. <coughs> That doesn't happen. Huh? That doesn't happen. Well, they once say a child, that, what you're saying is that once a child is born, it's killed because there's something wrong with it. Well, so much that the, the parent is given a choice if they wanted to have it aborted or not. 
I, I don't think that, that happens possible. way before the child is no, born. No doctor no, no, would do that. Not, not no now. doctor would do that. In some states, they're aborting children after they're born. It's fact. I would love to see some data, some reference to that. Yeah. Because I, I, I don't think that's happening in the United States at all. No that? way. Doctors wouldn't do it. Yes, they do. It's, unfortunately, they do. Um, like I say, go to the go check out the university. I mean, Virginia, the state of Virginia, and also New York. Both of them have passed laws that allow um, a child to be born and then and then. Um, There's an article on on Wikipedia called "Legal Recognition of Intersex People," so maybe intersex people are, are include hermaphrodites. Intersex yeah. people are born with sex characteristics such as chromosomes, gonads, or genitals that, according to the United Nations Office of the Higher Commissioner for Human Rights, do not fit typically binary notions of male or female bodies. So if I you guess think the, it's complicated. Some countries are trying to figure out if they should include a, a third sex uh, called non-binary or something. If you think or it's non, complicated to be born with a vagina and a penis at the same time, just imagine being born with two heads, <laughs> one body with two heads. And yeah, it has happens. happened. It happens. Yeah, it happens. So what do you do? You know, right. Which one do you kill? Right. Oh, wow. Right. Or you, or you split them. Well, but the thing is, so far in the United States, I mean, those sort of things have been totally acceptable. And they've been acceptable, acceptable because of the policies and structure of the way our laws have been written to allow, you know, people to be born in, in different manners, you know, even when they have Down syndrome or, or whatever. But there are some countries that when, you know, the parents find out that the child has Down syndrome, they're also allowed to abort that child too. And, you know, at what age and how far along, I don't know, but I know that, what is it, Iceland or someplace up there, they, they're Greenland, one of the two countries up there totally allow, you know, abortions whenever there's any kind of problem with the child you know but other countries have gone to that too i mean it's nothing new you know so you know i mean when you take in you know where are you going to reverence have a reverence for life is what it amounts to you know and pretty much in the united states you know when you know people are want to give up their child or whatever for any reason we have adoption agencies and we have people that are, are willing to mm. step up and take care of these children but in a government-run situation I think you're going to find that uh, that's not going to exist so much, you know, even the structure of how a child is raised uh, will be policy driven. Yeah. You know, so. And we have to consider the you let them live, but then you're going to uh, kill him if they commit uh, a big, big crime. So, I mean, I'm, you're born deformed. I'm going to let you live. But if you are a bad guy, how, I'm going to kill you. How <laughs> does the, in the birth certificate, what would they put down in the birth certificate? Is, is it male or a female for a, for a intersex or a hermaphrodite? Suspend, suspend judgment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, what, what do they put down leave for it, that? Leave it blank. Non-applicable. <laughs> N-A. N-A. <laughs> Not this. Then not how that. do you raise netty, netty. <laughs> and, and how do you raise the kid? Huh. Do you right. want to raise him so, as a boy so, or a girl? So that's that's a, a natural 
thing, but what about something that's a little less natural and more related to government? So Hiro and I develop an attraction across borders and we decide we want to be a couple and I die and a hiro wants my pension benefits. And the, the governments allow that now because you have social security, we have Canada pension, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and we're not a man and a woman in the typical sense. I don't know whether hiro has dual genitalia and I'm pretty sure I don't, but I haven't looked this morning. But, but then you have to look very closely. Then, then, then Luis and David and I and Jairo, the four of us decide we want to form a more perfect union of the four of us. Absolutely. And we want to all be entitled to each other's pension benefits. How, how big a unit are we allowed to expand to? Are we just allowed to be one spouse? Or can we be multi-spousal? Is that called polygamy? Yeah, polyamory or polygamy or whatever whatever the term is. So then what happens? We say, look at, let's have a little lottery here, guys. The fourth to die, you know, is gonna get three pensions. And I got a better suggestion, uh, Joel. I think you just pick up and move to uh, Utah. Is that what happens in Utah? I don't know. They got polygamy. Not legally. <laughs> not no, but not legally. Oh, okay. I didn't polygamy know is oh. illegal in Utah. But but okay. do they get multiple pension benefits? Because that's a state sponsored thing. No, I would say no because uh, because they're doing something illegal that they know is illegal. So there if you you're a polygamist in the United States, it's illegal, period. <laughs> you know, there goes your perfect union. <laughs> yeah. I mean uh, these people choose to be polygamous despite the fact that they know benefits. It, it's illegal. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, the thing is, I don't know if you guys know, but the, there's emerging in our country uh, a situation which has always been there where people live together, they have children, and they never even bother with a marriage license. And the thing is, I understand it's becoming far more common today. I know people too that have children. And they just lived together. They never went and done the legal thing to get married. But um, they're considered married anyway. That's common law. Well, so basically, you didn't sign a paper, but you're still responsible for your kids. You still have to follow the rules. Uh, so well, you didn't sign a paper, but I just by living that, together, but, you were married. But they didn't follow the process. So, you no. know, the thing is, they have to go through the legal proceeding, I guess, of whatever to get whatever, you know, and yeah. it becomes, a, yeah. once again, a policy-driven uh, situation yeah you know what if not living together but the but the father uh provides for the for the mother of the child yep that's that, part of our law that's yeah that's part of it, the deal uh, but, of the but they're not married and but yeah. they're, they're supposed to is that like i don't know if it's called alimony or alimony? Uh, no, some, some kind of a child support whatever it is but yep. you know that's that's it whether you sign the paper or not. <laughs> yeah, but then again, how much you pay depends on how good your lawyer is. Also, and how much, and, and how much money you make, uh, you know, it's just. Yeah, right. There's nothing that is, you know, drawn down any kind of straight line. 
So once again, all those things that we're talking about those are, all are policies and and are, and how do we determine uh, if if they're fair? Is it like by trial and error? There's no such thing as anything being fair. <laughs> Legal or just? That's the question. Right. Because the thing is, even in a divorce, when you have a divorce and, uh, you know, the mom, she goes to court, she wants to get as much money as she can, you know, to take and, you know, support the children. And the father, you know, the thing is, he's compelled by basically our, our moral policies, you know, to take and pay. And once again, depending upon how good the lawyer is, you know, determines you know, what everybody gets. But the thing is, within inside of that, the child is sort of left out because the child just becomes a, a move from one parent to the other parent and sees all the all the problems that the court creates in, in the division because it courts generally take and create hostility between the mother and the father. And then that goes into the child and it's a, it's a total mess. But, um, you know, the thing is, sometimes it'd be better off to just take and leave the legal policies and have the mom and, and dad maybe negotiate together, you know, with some minimum regulation. But so that's are, are we better are we better off than say our generations when when there was less policies, less regulations? Uh, are we were we better off then, or are our kids in coming up better off? Like, are they being better taken care of? Like, do, do you think that no. growing up uh, today is better than growing up uh, 50 or 60 or 70 years ago? Well, I it's think everybody has a different opinion. Yeah, we uh, actually, Jairo and I were talking about that before everybody else joined. Uh, imagine a society of one. For a second, this is a, a, thought, a thought experiment. Imagine that you are who you are today with the knowledge that you have today. Which, we, which she got from, you know, years and thousands of years of uh, uh, human learning and evolution and sharing ideas, language, concepts, science, skills, etc. Just imagine for a second that you are you are now the only human being in this planet. What happens then? Yeah, but that's not true. Can't be. I don't think it's, it's a, possible. It's it's well, okay. I, I know but, it's theoretical. But what but would so this is a just society a, of one would have yeah. no culture at all. No culture at all. No, 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 no. A society See, of one. If, right, if but, you're saying I've lived my life up till now and I'm suddenly yes. stranded on an island, you know yes. what's going to happen yes. to me? Yes, that's exactly you know? the thought experiment. Because you know, if we go back to yeah. the caves, well, you know, more than likely you're you're not thinking like mm -hmm. this. You don't know shit. You're just, uh, you're just, uh, you know, chasing gazelles or being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. But no, no, no. I'm talking about modern man faced with himself against nature. But with all the knowledge that we have today, all the sophistication, the subtle abstractive of our thought, the ideas of philosophy, sociology, justice, legal systems, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, all that disappears and you're stuck with yourself, by yourself, in this beautiful planet. How, what, what does that do to your sense of justice? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do now? I think you go, most people would, most people would go crazy. Uh, okay. Most people wouldn't last a week, even with okay. all their modern knowledge and skills, okay. because sooner okay. or later you're going to have an appendicitis and there's nobody there to fix so who, it, or you're who going make to, it? you know. Which human being, it wouldn't, nobody faced would. with himself against nature, 
would be able to make it thrive and become human, you know, fully human, uh, just by himself in nature. Hey, no more laws. I'm completely free. I do whatever the hell I want. I mean, what's, you know, isn't that what we want? We want to be free. We don't want to be just, you know, all the laws around me. Because you want to be in a social situation no matter what. If there's a part of human beings that's nature, it's socialism. And you're going to have to put up with regulations. regulations. (laughs) True, but without that, you're going to go nuts. I mean, you're you're going to... If you are by yourself, you're going to have to put up with your own regulations because you're not going to go, okay, I'm going to let myself die, right? We don't do that. Like Seth said, said, those are, you know, socialism and individualism are two characteristics of nature of human beings, period. I mean, everybody wants to... I like to think, and they want to be part of a group. As a matter of fact, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, David. uh, Interrupted. And the thing is, that's why you know people, and we were talking about male and female. You know, the the, the desire to procreate, you know, creates that social group because you got a mother and a father and a child. And the thing is, in general, without you know governmental policy influence, it stays intact and stays intact for the life of the of the people. That are involved no. in I, I propose that this thought exercise is good because, uh, of course, everybody thinks I cannot survive by myself. Well, if you can't survive by yourself, you're going to have to adapt to living with others, living in society. Well, you just and, said nobody's there but yourself. I mean, you can't even procreate with uh, yourself. But this is a thought experiment, David. I know. <laughs> I'm not talking about making babies here. I, all I'm trying to do is at the, the thought of the individual versus the collective. How do we deal with that? And in order to do that, you do a thought experiment, just like uh, Einstein did a thought experiment of an elevator going up and down and being tra- transversed by light photons. But th- this, this uh, idea of being able to make it in the collective, with the laws, with the power injustices, with everything, is somehow put to the forefront if you are there by yourself taking care of your own state, by yourself. So well, it, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good question to ask yourself. What would I do if I were the only one to rule over myself? You well, would you uh, institute you policies that, that are designed to take care of your needs, your instincts. Yeah. Or would you, would you go, hey, wait a minute, you know, I would like to eat uh, three gazelles in a row, but no, it's not going to be good for me. I'm going to have indigestion. Then, you know, I'm going to be caught by something else. This, this is the human thought is well worth uh, to put it in the context of the individual and the collective. See if something nudges and we are able to somehow put those two extremes together and live with the middle way. Yeah, but the thing is, your extremes are not real. That's the problem, you know. I mean, the there, is- there's people that are are isolated in in prisons. We could think of of how we would uh, live in that situation. They're in solitary confinement, or there are people that uh, uh, willfully put themselves in retreats for a very long time. Like there's a yogis that that live for three years in isolation well they might be provided like, food under the under the door or something by let's, someone let's outside talk about, let's talk about the big bang the u.s we would call that the unibomber how things, how living things. by himself out in the, yeah 
you know, the thing is, all these narratives are, are to me nowhere because, you know, you talk about the Big Bang Theory or the creation of the world according to Christians and Jews, or you talk about uh, evolution according to Darwin. I mean, all these things are theories of things that really don't apply directly to any individual that's really right here, unless you want to take and go down those theories and learn about them and, and find something that is really applies to your life, you know? To me, right. a narrative is, is something that, you know, is fantasy, you know? A theory is fantasy. Until the thing is, all the ducks are put in a row and it can be proven to be reality. One of the things that sort of fascinated me about this little study that I did is I took and I took the word science and I went back and said, what word do the Greeks use for science? Okay, does anybody know the Greek word for science? It's epistemy, oh. okay? The Greeks were very, I call them intelligent because what they did is they used different words to take and uh, put together a single word, okay? The one word, E, means with, okay? And the thing is, the P-I-S-T is, if you, if you look at Christianity, they got the epistles and, you know, the, the word belief is epistoe and the word for faith is pistis, okay? All these words generate around really the mind and the mind believing in something, okay? And then you take the end of the word and it's E-M-E, -M -E, okay? E-M-E, okay? Which really sort of leans itself towards speech. So what is science? Okay, science is a with a belief of speech. So that's what it is. It's a theory, you know, until you can take and prove factually whatever your theory you put together actually works. When it becomes fact, then science is no longer a theory, but it's a fact. And the thing is, these facts are proven by people's policies, just like the earth spinning around the sun takes 365 days. How is that figured? It's calculated through numbers to determine, you know, what the year is. And everything, <clears throat> if it's not calculated, but the thing is all these calculations are policies to prove a theory that bears witness to itself of what nature and what existence is. So to me, there's two different forms of um, what do you call it, science or whatever that actually exists. The science and nature of uh, reality of things that are nature. And then you got the science and the um, reality of what man creates through policy. And they're two different things. Well, but what Luis Del Pino is suggesting, not, not whether it's possible or, mm -hmm. or if it's if it's worthwhile to consider, maybe what he's trying to point out is, uh, is uh, in, in the case of one person, you would still have to figure out how, how to regulate yourself facing na nature. So you would have to develop policies like uh, I will uh, get back in the cave when it's dark every night so that becomes a policy <laughs> or wherever Heido, you, you just hit it on the nail let me propose the following let me call the collective the society the modern society nature now instead of taking everybody out i changed my perception of what the collective is okay so now I, I, this is completely real 
Now it's how I see my environment, my ecology, while I live in the human collective. I have laws to follow. I have rules to pay attention to. I have work to do. I have to pay, bills to pay. I, but still, I think as if I were the only human uh, in my environment. What does that do ah, to my? What does that do to my life? How you do are I self-regulating and self-policing? I self-regulate. I self-regulate. I think for myself. I live for myself in the environment. The nature that I am stuck with. So how does that change? But you also change? wouldn't consider it. You wouldn't consider that making laws for yourself, right? Oh, I have to find food today, so that's my law. You wouldn't yeah, use yeah. the word law. That's right. You know? Just, just use, the same yeah. way you would not invent laws in nature because you cannot uh, get a fish if you're flying on a on a uh, above a tree. So you have to, no matter where you are, no matter what your environment, whether completely natural, non-human or totally human, you still have to uh, adapt yourself to your environment, to your natural environment. So it, that what I'm trying to uh, uh, kind of put to the forefront is that I, as an individual, no matter how much regulation there may be, I'm still in charge of myself. Are I still, really? I am. Are you, you really? But I mean, the thing is, if you grow up in policies and policies become your life, and you think you're in control of everything, you're really not in control of anything. Because but if you are in nature, you're still subject to the laws of nature. You. So if you are in nature, those, those natural laws, you still have to follow them. You, can, you have to hold your breath underwater. You cannot change that law or you're going to die. You're going to pay the consequences. So instead of fighting the, the human nature, I am going to adapt within it as I would with non-human nature. That's, that's my exercise. You see, no matter where I am, whether there are rules that are made by nature or rules that are made by nature in man, I still have to make decisions. I still have to be self-sufficient. I have to go, well, what do I do? Do I, do I become a doctor or I want to sweep uh, uh, streets for a living? Do I want to study? Do I want not to study? Do I, et cetera, et cetera. And when I, when I don't know, I have to suspend judgment. <laughs> if I see an animal out there and I don't know if he's going to try to eat me or I can eat it, I'm going to suspend judgment. Because, ah, that snake, um, I'm going to, uh, uh I don't know. So you made if I know, if I, but yes, of course, suspending judgment is a judgment. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing is, I, you know, I'd look at this whole thing, and go back to what Rami was pointing out, the difference between, you know, believing in something, a, a lie and, you know, having it as a lie to be accepted as truth, you know, and the thing is, I think that all happens in with inside of everybody in our upbringing as to the things that we learn to believe. But I think as we grow older, the thing is, at least for myself, I've learned to question all these things that I've been taught to find out, you know, which ones align themselves with nature and which ones align themselves with the policies of people. And there's a big difference because the thing is nature doesn't lie and people do. And I think oh. that there was exactly Rami's uh, point that he was trying to make, you know, when he was here posing his question. But aside from this all, I'm gonna have to depart from you guys. 
And once again, it's been a pleasure. Um, Always. Yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, Thank look forward you. to next. That week. was an interesting point that David submitted. That perhaps we could be better off by by having policies based on nature. Yeah. Right. Catch you all later next week. Thank you. Okay. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Bye, Thank you. Stay safe. All right, this was an interesting one. This was a great Zoom session. Yes. I liked it. It, it has me thinking clearly. Isn't that the idea? <laughs> <laughs> what do we come here for? <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, to rile our brains. Off to regulate myself and against nature and, and society and my family. Thank All you. Right. Okay, Bye. guys. Always a pleasure. Have a good weekend.